On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss coercive control and the reactive defense response. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we are going to talk about what I am calling the reactive defense response. And before we get to our episode, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. And there you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. So today our episode is going to be about reactive defense response. And many people use a term called reactive abuse. Most everyone hates that term. I think, you know, 90% of the people out there really hate the term reactive abuse. And so I think it is time to retire the term reactive abuse for good. And whereas for a while I've been using the term self-defense, you know, I've been using that term for a bit in in replacement for it, but I also felt that self-defense really wasn't working for me as far as when I was using it in descriptions. It just kind of didn't feel right. And when I think in sports terms, as I played a lot of sports in my life, when I think of defense, I think of it in, in two ways, one in which you react and one which you can see the play coming. You've seen enough film and played long enough that you can see things forming before they form. And that's called in, in sports, that's called reading a defense. And, you know, then you kind of know what to do to avoid reacting as best you can and to kind of get, you know, to, to thwart the offense in, in the best way possible. So when it comes to these terms, reactive abuse and self-defense, I'd like to cross-combine these terms and call it reactive defense from now on and a reactive defense response. And in my mind, and I could be very, very wrong about this, everyone, but in my mind, this encapsulates really what is going on in the most precise way when you cross-combine both of these terms. You know, you're reacting in a defensive manner. And as far as language goes, it's hard not to use the word react when describing what you're going through. So I feel that the word react or reactive needs to be in there. And this just seems like the natural words that go together. And this is why I believe, you know, reactive defense should be the term that is used going forward and a reactive defense response as as well. So what is reactive defense would be the next question. And reactive defense is this in-the-moment reaction to mistreatment from another person and an abuser. So when a victim has a reactive defense response, uh, the abuser uses this reaction to impart further abuse in the form of blame shifting. And the abuser will transform 
into the victim themselves. That's what they like to do. They'll say that they are the victim of you. And this is done in an attempt to make the victim view the situation in a completely different way, to believe a different reality from the one that's actually being lived. So as I said, the abuser really likes to shift blame and put the abuse on the victim. And they have various methods of doing this, you know, becoming the truth teller in the relationship right off the bat where you value everything they say is the truth, everything that they say is the gospel in this situation. You know, if they really did their job early on in the relationship, they can become this truth teller in your life. Isolation can be a big part of this, as if you don't have other people's opinions in your life, you know, to bounce off what's going on. You know, it's hard to figure out what is going on inside of your relationship if isolation is occurring. You know, this way, the abuser has a way to become more of a truth teller, uh, has a way to be the person in your ear when you're away from other people and they don't see what is going on. Uh, within this process, there's the sowing the seeds of doubt. You know, if they're they're doing their job early on, they can really start to sow the the seeds of doubt. This can begin doubt of who you are, what your values are, your competency, your reliability, your friendliness, your confidence. All these things are getting eroded. Your worth is getting eroded. Put downs can do this. Gaslighting is also a really big thing here when it comes to really distorting your reality. The I didn't say that. You are misremembering things, you know, reinforcing these things possibly by hiding things. Let's say it's an example of like you're looking for your keys. You, you know, you're trying to find your keys. You're trying to find your keys. You know where you put those things. But, you know, the abuser in the situation has hidden them. And then they can say, you always, you're always, you know, losing things. And this can reinforce that, oh, I always lose things. I always, you know, don't remember things. They, they could be planting these things in you, you know, creating more doubt in you, you know, especially this key type thing or, or losing things. They can kind of take themselves out of these situations. You don't know they're really involved, but, you know, a thing like, taking your key away you know they're they're not involved in this thing you don't see them being involved even though that they are the ones that hid these keys but in re this reinforces these lies that are being told to you and on top of all of this if they are also showing you these loving really good times that are going on and they could be people that are respected by others in the community you know everyone loves them they're charismatic you know abusers can really have you upside down pretty quick you have no idea what is up down left right you really don't know what's going on they've created a new world they've created this distorted reality that you are now uh, living in and you know part of these forms of gaslighting that can happen is when a victim or survivor of abuse has a reactive defense response and it is one of the most common tactics that is used by an abuser to shift blame for the abuse onto the victim so what are the three stages for an abuser to get a reactive defense response out of a victim. And the first thing is antagonism. And this is the groundwork that is being laid, the poking and the provoking, the nagging, the needling. To get a reactive defense response, the abuser is trying to get under 
your skin and they're trying to mess with you psychologically and they can do this also physically. It could be something very simple early on, you know, saying that, oh, I did the laundry today. You never do the laundry, even though you're the one that always does the laundry. Little tiny things like that might be at play. But over time, they will turn up the, like the volume and hone in really on your specific triggers. And at this point, you know, you, the victim, are kind of being bullied and you know, you're starting to suffer the psychological effects of this type of gaslighting. And it really starts to, you know, really get at your sanity and being able to uh, hold things in or being able to cope before there is a reactive defense response. And antagonism can also be uh, things like cutting off rooms, uh, hovering over you, you know, invading your space. Uh, there could be physicality going on a- as well when it comes to antagonism. And number two on this list is proof. So abusers rely on this reactive defense response because it's their quote unquote proof that there is something wrong with the victim. And that they might say that the victim is the one that is unstable or mentally ill. And if the victim is yelling back or, or anything like that, it's it's proof for them. And we hear this a lot on our Survivor Story episodes. You know, an abuser saying something to get a rise out of you and then flipping on a recorder and getting your reactive defense response to show to others, but also, you know, to, to blackmail you, to even show it to you in hopes that you'll believe that you're the abusive one. Or they can do this in public as well, knowing that they could say something, knowing how to get that outburst out of you. They really know how to pick at you. They know how to precisely say the right thing. They know how to really get that knife and hit you right in the spot where it will get a reactive defense response. And sometimes words are not needed. And a lot of the times this can just be done with looks, eye rolls, certain gestures, and they're really trying to get proof. And that's step number two for them. And step three in this situation is to turn the tables. So at this point, when it comes to turning the, the, the tables, the abuser will eventually just point the finger at you, the person who had a reactive defense response, the victim, and accuse them of being unhinged and trying to garner sympathy from you and possibly other people. And when you have this reactive defense response, they themselves, the abuser, may say something like, see, my response to you is something where I'm just defending myself. You know, at the very most, we're both guilty. So that will bring up mutual abuse, but we'll get to that uh, eventually. And, you know, what the abuser is, is really trying to do here is frame themselves as this innocent party while making you, you know, the victim in this case, you know, appear unhinged, reckless, crazy, 
and the abuser will always hold these reactive defense responses against a victim indefinitely. It could be years later, and the abusers will maybe hark back and say, well, well, remember back in blah, 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 whatever year you had this reaction, and you're acting crazy, you're the crazy one, you need help. They can call these things back. You know, So even if there's a situation where they could be guilty of something in the future and you caught them in that situation— or you, you think you have an upper hand in some sort of way, they're going to take these other situations and call these things back to sow the seeds of doubt in you, to really think that you are the one that is crazy, you know. And, and, and also, one more thing, you know, these things can get pretty serious because sometimes abusers can use these reactive defense responses as an excuse to uh, go to police or, or even file for protective orders of their own. And we've heard this many times on our Survivor Story uh, episodes. You know, one of the earliest ones that we did where this happened was an episode that we did with Miriam, if anyone wants to go back and listen to that episode. It's a really interesting episode as far as how uh, her reactive defense responses kicked in and she ended up, um, you know, going to jail. Eventually things did work out uh, for Miriam and everything eventually got cleared up because of someone who was working on her case. A court clerk was just like, this is too perfect of, of what's happened. The, the court clerk saw the setup that happened and, you know, things got reopened. But, you know, this is, is a scary thing. And, you know, they, the abuser wants you to have a reactive defense response because they can use it against you. When we think of like manipulation, this is pure manipulation the abusers want you to have these responses it's conditioning and they want they're they're trying to condition you to accept the blame they're manipulating you into to thinking this and the longer that this blame shifting can go on the longer that you will believe you are the one to blame when you have a reactive defense response and this is what the abuser wants to happen and you know Part of this process and the most difficult thing for a lot of people when it comes to the aftermath of everything and while these things are going on is this manipulation can cause the feeling of shame. And shame is huge because you're acting in a way that is not accustomed to how you are, your values, who you are as a person. You know it's not. All these different feelings are going on inside you. And it's really hard to figure out because it's not you. And shame can really take over when you react in this defensive response mode. And this can just really cause you to feel bad about your, yourself. You know, guilt and shame are now on you. They're bringing in these feelings that, you know, are, 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 are not your feelings. They've created these things inside you. And you are, you know, you're acting against what you know to be true about yourself, that you are a kind person, you're a good person, you're a capable person, you're a loving person. But that goes out the window when, you know, you're experiencing the guilt and shame of having a reactive response. And, you know, the guilt and shame is what the abusers really want to continue to condition you to feel. That is their goal. When they have you in that mode, when you're feeling guilt and shame they have you and getting you to have those responses uh, reactive uh, defense response you know that is their goal to get you to this goal so you know if they really it, it's really insidious when you think about it so 
for your own sakes, you know, because it's hard to discern for a lot of people if you're the abusive one in, in these situations, you know, the best thing to do is to try to recognize the signs of reactive defense and the reactive defense response. And the first thing is that this is an uncharacteristic behavior, as I mentioned previously. And so if you throw something, if you're yelling, if you hit the person, you know, if you hit the abuser in this situation, we've had it, uh, I've heard stories where someone rips hinges, the door off hinges and, you know, and, and carries it and throws it. These are things that might not be in your nature. So that's one thing to keep in mind, um, when it comes to, you know, uncharacteristic behaviors. Next up on the list is provocation, that the abuser is using these antagonistic behavior-like things going on, either public or private humiliation, threats, name-calling, insults could be flying, gaslighting could be occurring in order to get you, you, the victim, to your breaking point. They're trying to get you to your breaking point in an elicit a violent response. So is there a provocation that is going on beforehand that you can pinpoint and that you're not the one that is causing the provocation, it is the abuser in these situations. And the next one on our list is confusion. And this is when the victim feels com- confused about their actions. They feel like they don't know who they are anymore or how they could have a reactive defense response like that. You know, an abuser will not feel that way at all. They won't be conflicted of who they are. You know, they know who they are, but you are someone who doesn't act normally like that. You're confused about what's going on because you know that is so out of your character. And then the last one on our list here is fear. And that fear can be the fear inside of you or are you trying to make the other person scared of you? You know, when you are in a reactive defense response, you're not trying to scare anyone. You're not trying to put fear into anyone. You're just trying to escape a situation. You're reacting to something, your frustration about something, because it is you who have been scared and controlled for so long. You know, you're not the one who is trying to control your partner in any sort of way. You're not doing that. You're the one that is acting because you are scared. Your reactive defense response is a response because you are afraid of them. You're not trying to put fear into them. You're, you're just showing your, your frustration and confusion that is coming out and you're not trying to control a situation. And, you know, you are someone who is the victim, you know, as the victim in the situation, you're not trying to control your partner in any sort of way. You know, they're using your reactive defense response here as a fear tactic to manipulate you and to control you. So, so these are a bunch of different ways to kind of show you that, you know, if you're going through an abusive relationship and there's a lot of reactive defense responses that are being used against you and you think you're the abuser, try and go through this list, try to get like a journal together and really start writing these things out so you can see it on paper, you know, the things that are going on that, you know, that there is uncharacteristic behavior, there is provocation, you were acting in self-defense, that you are confused, you know, that you do feel guilt and shame. 
and that you are feeling fear and then maybe make a like a list as well of what your your partner is doing in this situation do they have these things as well do they feel guilty are they feeling doubtful of what's going on like are they fully confident in this situation are they trying to control you you know did you provoke them in any way you know did you do anything to provoke them really start making these lists and start journaling to really you know point these things out to yourself so what are some examples of a reactive defense and a reactive defense can be an abuser may yell at you and then turn on device to record the reactive defense response you know this defensive response could be yelling back you could actually hit them throw something at them an abuser may make threatening moves toward you intimidations cutting off rooms hovering over you to, to get a reactive defense response out of you and this defensive response could be yelling back it could be hitting it could be throwing something at them as i mentioned before it could be pushing them out of the way trying to move them out of the way so you can get out of the room and the abuser may say hey you just put your hands on me you're the one that is abusive here you know all you were trying to do is to get out of the room to try and get to peace into safety you know you're defending yourself in these situations they're the one that is provoking you and, and they might not have touched you at all but they're doing these things that are not touching you but they're intimidating and they're cutting you off. They're making you feel fear and they're making you feel unsafe while doing these things. And they can really use that against you if they're trying in some of these situations for, for you to put your hands on them, even though you're doing it to defend yourself to get to safety. And then in some of these cases, what happens is if you do put your hands on them, the abuser then might then put their hands on you and be physical back once again you know and then they may say that they were only physically abusing you because you put your hands on them you know it's a way for them to get away with being very physically abusive you know saying that you were the one that was doing it first you know they're not you know they're throwing it now out the window of all of the provocations that could have happened before you know it's quite a very it's a very manipulative move to do to get you to put your hands on them first even though you're trying to get yourself to safety in this reactive defense response. And, you know, it gives them a lot of the times this carte blanche in their mind to then be able to be physically abusive and then blame it on you saying that they were acting in self-defense. It's very, very, very confusing. And that's why an abuser using this type of manipulation to get you to have a reactive defense response is so despicable. And we hear a lot on our show about the water torture from the Lundy Bancroft book, uh, Why Does He Do That? And that's per and that person can be very calm while saying put-downs or, or things that they know really will sting you, backhanded compliments that could be very confusing, you know, telling you that you react to things, you know, which then gets you to have a reactive defense response. And again, you could be yelling back, hitting, throwing something at them. They're really just trying to get you to hit that breaking point, you know, trying to push them away to, for you to get 
so, so you can get out of the room, try to move them out of the way. And because a water torturer specifically is doing everything in such a calm way, if you do have a reactive defense response and do yell, it makes it much easier for them to like push that blame onto you because of that tangibleness that's there that you're the one that raised the voice. And it's also a very underhanded uh, abuse tactic on their part. And this actually rejogs my memory um, talking about all these different examples. And there was one survivor story. I remember talking to someone that, you know, they never reacted to their abuser for a very, 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 very long time. And they were constantly, you know, being put down. Their abuser was never helping out around the house. And they were just under a lot of psychological and emotional abuse for a very, very, very long time. And, you know, I used a laundry example early on uh, in the episode, and it was like five years into this relationship, and it was like the first time ever that the abuser did laundry for the whole entire family, and they wanted kind of credit for it, but at the same time, the way they framed it is like, I did the laundry, I do everything around here, and that was like the first time that they that they ever did the laundry and the the victim in this case the survivor in this case when they said that it they broke and they threw keys at the abuser and then the abuser then calls them crazy which makes them now start thinking that they are the one that is crazy because of that reaction and it was just that little thing about the laundry which people think is a little thing but that was 5 years in the making of emotional and psychological abuse and most people in society would think that the victim in this case would be the abuser for that response but they do not understand what has happened previously and then that comment right there for some people that might be nothing but for the victim in this case that's five years of psychological and emotional abuse and then this comment right here it was used to manipulate them to break them to get that response which gives the abuser ammunition to make them feel shame and guilt about what they have just done to make them feel that they are the abuser when they are not they are just having a reactive defense response and it is just sickening you know sitting here uh, thinking about that when you really think about what was behind everything and it's it's maddening in a lot of ways that society can't see these things uh, you know, they don't understand these things, but this is the reality of so many people's uh, lives. And it's sad and it's unfortunate that we're here. And the last example that I want to use for the reactive defense response is when it's just body language. You know, words are, are being said and they can use this in front of other people to elicit this reactive defense response to make you look like you're the crazy one. They're smearing you in the process. They're possibly laying the groundwork here to, you know, smear you. Um, you know, eventually when the relationship does end, you know, they're going to want everyone on their side. So the smearing process can begin here. They're creating like their own alibi by doing this. They're also going to be making you feel shame or guilt that this happened in front of other people. You might start thinking, oh, look, people are now going to judge me uh, about what happened. 
And at that point, they can also use that against you in the future. Oh, this is what that person thinks about you now. You know, this is how they view you now. They've seen what you've done now. They're really putting you further in a hole and isolating you even further to, to get help, you know, in, in these situations. Because now you feel like because of that reaction, you can't talk to those people anymore. You know, it's, you know, doing things like that in, in, in public when it comes to getting a reactive defense response is is multi-layered and this can happen with just body language and it can also happen with uh, words as well in, in, in public but things that people might not see that you're saying that get those responses innocent things that might be said to other people to get those responses out of you and that's why you know when it comes to reactive defense it's very confusing not just to you but very difficult for you know the public or society and friends to to, to really understand uh, what is going on. And what's really upsetting about that is, and as I mentioned before, you know, the public, they don't understand these things. And it's, it's really painful for a lot of uh, victims and stressful. It's traumatic because let's say a stranger were to grab you or assault you, it would be easy for people to say, oh yeah, you were justified in, in pushing that person. You were justified at screaming at that stranger. You were justified at punching your way to safety. You would not be called the abuser in this situation. But these lines really get blurred when you're in a relationship and people really have a hard time understanding, you know, uh, reactive defense responses, coercive control. They have no idea because this is coercive control, everyone. Make no state, make no mistake about it. And people don't fully understand what that is yet. And I think it's part of this show and the mandate going forward is that we want to educate not just you about coercive control, but the rest of society about coercive control. And, you know, sadly, when it comes to society not understanding reactive defense responses or coercive control, victims of these relationships are blamed for being the violent ones and, and unstable ones. And they just can't imagine why you would have stayed if it was so bad, you know, why did they stay so long? We hear all the time. They don't understand coercive control, the manipulations that go into it, all the different tactics, intimidation tactics, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, everything that is is involved. And just to kind of go over this one last time, you know, as I stated earlier, we were going to get to mutual abuse and there's, there's this myth of mutual abuse and everyone thinks, oh, they're both equally responsible. And, you know, mutual abuse is a false claim. People say mutual abuse is when both partners are equally abusive to one another. You know, many survivors often ask themselves if they are abusive too because of how they react. But the truth is mutual abuse does not exist. There is always a primary aggressor and the power and control dynamics involved in coercive control, you know, makes it impossible for partners, for both partners to be abusive. There's a victim of it and there's the abuser. And the victim is reacting in a reactive defense response to what the abuser has been dishing out. 
all the gaslighting, all the put downs, cutting off rooms, intimidation. There's a power and control dynamic that is going on, coercive control is going on. There's a primary aggressor, the person that is inciting this. And then when the inciting happens, there's this reactive defense response. So mutual abuse is a myth. So that is it for today's episode on reactive defense responses. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that, you know, you help, you know, spread the word more going forward about a course of control and, and getting the word out there on course of control and helping everyone understand course of control uh, better as, as well. Because I think in the long run, that will be helpful for, for everyone, not just you, your family, your friends, but society as, as a whole. So a big thank you for everyone listening to this episode. And if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, you know, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. There's a button at the top of the page that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And if you are someone that needs support, we here at Narcissist Apocalypse have a support group. So at NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there's a button that says support group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our very own safe social network. Inside, you'll see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday nights, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We also have forum boards for you to post on to get the validation that you need from survivors just like you. And it is a wonderful group of people on there. And you can share your experiences with all of them and make friends too. So if you need support, join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. At domesticshelters.org, they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you're dealing with. They have, every, they have every phone number and email address and web address for shelters and agencies, no matter how big or small the town you are in. Domesticshelters.org has it there. It is a wonderful free resource and organization. So if you need extra support, please do visit domesticshelters.org. And we have another friend of the show called Shelter Movers, and Shelter Movers can be found at sheltermovers.com. And Shelter Movers helps survivors of coercive control transition to a better and safer life. It is a volunteer organization, a donor-supported charitable organization as well. It is currently only in Canada, but they are looking to expand into the United States. And what they do is they help coordinate moves for people who are getting out of coercive control. They help you to safety, and they get all of your things out of your home and into storage, all of your belongings into storage and they can do this for your pets and livestock too it is a wonderful organization so if you need help from them or just want to donate to them please go to sheltermovers.com and that is it for today's episode i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you have a good night